Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou, you and I always have interesting guests on the show. We're appreciative of all of them that join us. And I had a chance to talk with our guest about some topics in Industry 4.0 that he's going to share with us. Um, but I wanted to chat with you a minute about this before I introduce James. Uh, yeah, uh, this uh I have spoken to our guest also, and uh, it's uh, he's got an amazing he's got an amazing story and uh, uh, a very different business model, uh, which I'm sorry I didn't think of at first, but <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna hear all from him, so uh, let's uh, let's let it rip. Okay, so let me introduce James Soto, who is founder and CEO of Industrial one of America's top B2B marketing agency. He has 17 years of experience and perspective from working with iconic and industry brands, media and trade organizations to help them address the challenges they face in the disruptive business model and world of industry 4.0, which is seeing generational change and technological change that at a speed that, frankly, from our world, manufacturing talk radio, manufacturers, um, I don't think we're as prepared for or thought would be coming as fast as it has. James, thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Well, thanks, Tim and Lou. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. I'm a big fan. How big of a fan? We're always <laughs> looking for investors. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping to earn my yellow jacket. You know, I, I I'm not good at golf. So I won't get a green one, but you know, I want to be. I want to know the guys with the yellow, with the yellow jacket. So, well, uh, we've actually in six years we've only given out one so far, uh, and that was because that individual who is the um, uh, chair of uh, the manufacturing ISM report, and he was retiring, so. Uh, you got a pretty big chair to sell, and uh, it, it was quite a shocker for him. So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll let you know what the uh, what the requirements are for for a yellow jacket. Yeah, the yellow jacket's great. I actually do have one. I have a evergreen jacket actually, and um, I was actually recruited um, really in the uh, early 2000s by Thomas Publishing when they were transitioning from. A, a print to digital property, the Thomas Register, Thomas Regional, to really go after and create new DNA and address the changing, you know, digitally leaning industrial buyer. And I ran their biggest geographic territory. They recognized accomplishments through a very coveted, like 50 year old ceremony of a green jacket, and they transitioned to an evergreen jacket as they became ThomasNet in more of a digital leaning um, media property and, and directory. And so I was the youngest ever in their history to ever win it. And I had a great team and I literally have a very coveted jacket. Uh, now that I think of it from, from them and uh, the very first evergreen jacket. So, so uh, I am in the jacket club, but I, I am not in the yellow jacket club. For sure. You're just in the wrong color. 
By the way, do you know yeah. a gentleman by the name of uh, Greg Sullivan? I know the name, yes. Uh, well, he he had multiple green jackets. <laughs> who was yeah, also there, there's like a rich history there. Yeah, yeah Greg, he, Greg yeah. was uh, he was a great he, guy. He was, uh, he was uh, I started working with him in 1974. If that kind of gives away my age, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay well, James. Tell us what let 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 you earn your points for the jacket. What do you do? So, so uh, let's what I do. Yeah. So so um, you know, what do I identify as? I identify as an industrial. Um, you know, I was you know born into a family. My father was in manufacturing forty two years. I was um, literally born in the Bronx and whisked over to. Um, uh, to apartments just out of the Stanford, um, Connecticut, uh, manufacturing plant for Clairol. Um, you know, I I grew up, you know, identifying as someone who was you know, using technology, things like Pong and, you know, coding on a Commodore 64 and a PC Junior. Um, I know I worked hard and had a family that was really driving to, you know, actually have their very first set of college graduates and you know, had that that. that great family environment and I worked my way through college um, you know on the plant floor at Clairol and um, my sister went on to become an industrial engineer through the 90s as we were transitioning from analog to digital funny numbers that became like the Bluetooth standard um, working on um, really uh, technology around the convergence to uh, to cellular and mobile and and so essentially you know Yahoo was forming in 94 Google was forming you know formed in 98 and really coming out of a great experience with a great data and technology company, you know, I started to see some trends where there was interest in me with my industrial roots. You know, I was born industrial, raised digital, and, you know, I was, I was approached by a, a major industrial media organization. They needed people with new DNA to really come in. And, and really my story begins in terms of where I am today and identifying as an industrial with creating industrial strength marketing, um, and you know, our friends just call us industrial. Um, so for 17 years since then, I, um, you know, the day one was really when I saw, and really working with hundreds of industrial businesses, manufacturers, distributors, industrial services companies, companies, you know, really starting to create the the framework for what we see as industry 4.0. And I really saw that, you know, for the most part, marketing was really not present. It wasn't a function. We weren't transitioning from traditional technology-based communications and marketing, and marketing was missing, really mismanaged or misunderstood. So think back to, you know, 2003, when first you know, created what became industrial like marketing, um, there was no one serving the market. There was no, like people laugh, like, why would you create an industrial firm uh, focused on marketing and the business growth consultancy and brand and business growth strategy and all the technology plumbing that goes with it. And, um, you know, when you see uh, 258,000 manufacturers <laughs> of all shapes and sizes in the United States, and you really see, you can't see someone who truly zeroed in on it and just said, that's it, nothing else. Um, that told me there was a major market opportunity. And since then, we've grown, we've gone through, you know, I started in the manufacturing slump. You know, I, I went fully on my own, you know, and, and with the firm and just exclusively on it. And 
you know, going into 2008, right at the Great Recession. So I picked my timing really well <laughs> and, and just really, um, you know, kept growing and just, you know, really bootstrapping a great business um, connected with the National Association of Manufacturers, Manufacturing Institute, Fabrication and Manufacturing Association, FMA, NIST, Manufacturing Extension Partnerships, and um, actually helped co-produce, build the brand, create the bulwark, really odds behind the curtain in the Emerald City computer of the grassroots movement that became Manufacturing Day. So it's really one of those epitaph body of work, passion projects that really started to launch our brand into the marketplace. And people used to call industrial strength marketing ISM, <laughs> so the other ISM. And so, right. so we really focused on why do people do business with us? And as we kind of get to today, it's really when we look at all the iconic brands and those aspiring to be and manufacturing, distribution, custom fabrication, all the way on up, they said, you know, James, the reason why we do business with your great team and your company is because you're industrial. And that's why we absolutely double down, identify as industrial. And, and that's the work we want. And the, those are the people we want to help. Um, and, and really the promise of the organization is to really help, you know, these companies be better marketers and sellers of their industrial products and services. They have to do it regardless of whether we're here or not. So, so right now, I'm getting out to really just build the reach and, and exposure to what we do um, because we are seeing great traction with a lot of companies transitioning from traditional technology, and we want to be a big part of telling the story of the transition and, and the, you know, the impact of Industry 4.0, and, and that's where we are today. So, James, uh, I, I, too, have been in, in the world of manufacturing a long time, just, just something short of 50 years. Uh, when I was going to college, I was taking up advertising and marketing. And once I got into the uh, industrial metals and manufacturing sector, I realized, and you and I have had this conversation, uh, we both realized that a manufacturing company, even to a great degree today, mostly the small to medium-sized companies, is that they know how to make stuff, but to them, marketing is an outside salesman with a schlep bag, also known as an attache case, and that's not really where it's at anymore. Uh, Certainly when the internet came uh, into being in 94, uh, that shook up the whole manufacturing, again, the small to medium-sized manufacturers. They didn't have no clue what that was all about, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to spend money on that. And, you know, I've got six salesmen on the road uh, who are beating them up on their uh, T&Es, their weekly T&Es. But I think it's finally turning, and I believe that uh, you would agree with that. So why don't you go into some detail about what it is that you're actually doing? Uh, with yeah. uh, manufacturing companies. So, so um, well, that's that's a great question. It's a big question, right? And so, right. when you think about um, anything, you really have to figure out. Like, no one wants to just go in with their agenda. You really got to go in and understand what is the role that marketing can play. You know, marketing, communications, technology, and 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 by the way. Um, I believe in integrated sales and marketing. It's truly one journey, one funnel, and both parts are part of an integrated revenue generation strategy as best executed. 
so, so, so really when you really think of approaching that big question, I try to look at what is the fundamental problem that you're trying to address, right? What are you really trying to do? And when I say, you know, you know, make marketing the strength of their business or be a better marketer and seller in industrial products and services, that's ultimately the essence of what we're trying to do. But practically applied, the problem we're trying to address is for the most part, marketing is missing, mismanaged, or misunderstood. And so when we think about first principles thinking, so when we're going in to really help, what we're trying to address is what's the root of that problem? Why? Why is it missing this and understood? And as you kind of go, why, why, why? And very often it boils down to leadership, the leader, the leaders. And whether it's the CFO or the CMO or rather the CEO, they're, 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 they, they either don't invest in it, they don't understand it. And it's really about helping them with where they're at with their relationship with marketing. And, and, and truly, what we find for a large part still, you know, still not all bad now. It's been very rapidly changing for the better. But, but what they, where there's an issue is there's a lack of belief in it. There's a bad relationship with it. They've been burnt. They've spent money. They didn't know what happened. They don't know if it, it, it seems so arbitrary to them. And so, so for so many reasons, we have to start with, Helping them understand are they with the strategies and the, the really the structure they have to really build their brand, target the markets that they have with the right services, with the people with the right needs, and then the ability to really look at how are they executing on their growth agenda? What are they doing strategically and tactically? So what so where you have to start with is understanding their the state of marketing and, and, and selling and the state of their marketing readiness. Um, how, what do they, you know, what do they know and what do they don't know, especially the things that can hurt them. So that's where we start. We start looking at where is the belief system? What is their perceptions? Where do they really invest? And then what are those actually key marketing and sales and, and customer and positioning data that they need to know about their business so that there's a clear mission, vision, who's the customer, what's the problem in the market we're solving, this is how we're going to it, and how are we communicating with clarity and delivering value along the way. So we start with an assessment. We look at, you know, I think people should look at things that are related to look at where, um, you know, the, the measures of how they're positioned versus their competition, um, understanding why people do business with them or don't. And when they don't, what are those, those roadblocks? And do you understand not only those roadblocks, but does everybody understand how to overcome them and, and deliver value along the way? So, there, you know, so for us, we actually start with actually assessing you know, about 40 different kind of questions for us that really speak to, you know, you know, uh, you know marketing and sales financial operations. So they know the customer acquisition costs. So they understand how long it takes to get to the customer, the velocity it takes. Because we see people literally going, we're not doing well, we're selling, it didn't work, we did this, and they don't realize, well, we sell capital equipment, we have an 18-month for this particular piece of capital equipment uh, buying cycle, and then they're like giving up in six months in. So, 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 so when people can understand what they're doing and how they're doing it, and the fact that they really, there's good reason why they don't understand it, because they have no way to measure it. And, and they don't, and no one's really walked them through what you need to measure and why and how these, and the things you do know, 
how can they help you really get insights into the things that will predict the success or failure of your effort, that's where we start. And, and very simply, all of that said, which could sound scary and like a lot to someone, it's really we start with, you know, I think anyone, whether you're a mid-level marketer, someone in sales, go up to your leader and say, I think the first step we should do, our first job is to make sure we're ready for marketing. And the things we're doing, you know, whether we're managing them well and we're measuring them well. And once you have those baselines of what you are doing and what you do know and how it works, then you can start doing crap, you know, doing stuff, you know, and spending money and doing, you know, no one wants the search engine optimization trick of the day, or we tried this on social media. You're missing the point. The, the whole point is, yes, those things can have a big impact if they're executed in the greater context of centering on the customer and understanding how that business needs to be focused and positioned to deliver that value and communicate a very compelling value proposition for their key target customer segment. And so, so get ready, and then you can get set, and then you can go. James, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, and I know I'm not wrong, and I know you'll agree with it. So <laughs> that, was, that was for the purposes of the audience, just in case I am wrong. I think one of the most important things, uh, is what you said, and then again, and what you didn't say, and that is that data analysis is what's going to tell them when when they're doing right, what they're doing right, and how they should, and what it is that they should be improving. Yeah, it, 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 I hate, it's it's so it's so cliche, but you can't you know manage what you don't measure. And, you know, when you look at, um, you know, you know, before you try to do something innovative, you know, you have to actually be able to um, measure and orchestrate, right? <laughs> you have to understand what are the measure, key measures and how you orchestrate it. And so I think the, the big macro problem we see in manufacturing, distribution, industrial services, and technology, you know, in, in, in this space, is that the missing part of the equation. Marketing is missing. Look at the Industry Week 500 top industrials. I'm not talking Apple, right? I'm talking the ones that actually make industrial products and services, either as a tier one, tier two, tier three supplier, or directly you know, to an end user, let's say, for another industrial business. And when you look at these businesses, and I'm talking the top firms, and you can, you know, there's only 38, 3,900 manufacturers in the U.S. that have over 500 employees, you know, yeah, of the 258,000. So when, when, you, when you really look at that, they don't have, look at them, they don't even have a chief marketing officer. They don't even have someone at the most strategic level, the corporate level of strategic marketing management, i.e. the level where they're saying, what business are we in or should be in and the market forces are telling us we need to be in, they don't even have a marketer at the table. And what does that tell you about the state of the marketing function in the business? It is not the marketing guy, the marketing gal. It is truly the necessity to compete based on building a brand, especially now, you know, and, and, and being able to deliver that, you know, that, that value to, to a customer. You have to, you have to center on the customer. And, and, and that, that's what's missing. And the dollars are missing. 
and other and, and the rigor upon which manufacturers are trying to transition to industry 4.0, not realizing marketers have been using artificial intelligence, automation, um, to really good effect, the pace setters in manufacturing and industrial marketing, um, well before most of industry has. So the things that we're trying to implement in predictive and preventative, let's say maintenance and sensor technology, or, you know, um, marketers have been using in other segments and, and pace setters have been using in these. And, you know, when you, when you look at the full integrated supply chain, you look at the, the customer's journey, it starts with market data feeding the products that people want, the innovation to really center around the market forces that are there. You need to produce it with that rigor, leveraging those efficiencies that you get. And when you, you know, let's say you drive away with that Tesla, you know, when things, something goes wrong, it should, it should instigate a marketplace transaction that says you want this tire or that tire or this part or that part. Marketing, sales, and even design and operations are all going to be an integrated, you know, design, manufacture, and even service experience. And so, you know, that's, that's, where, that's where you're going to see the company, you know, really starting to put some serious pressure on businesses that, that keep doing business the way they always have because they're not considering the fact that for the most part, manufacturers are in the services business. And, and we have to be able to, to leverage our, our engineering and application expertise to deliver value constantly. And we got to give away the good stuff because that helps someone do their job better, design better products, make better operational and, you know, supply chain decisions, and, and obviously consider the customer beyond the sale. Because right now in a tough economy, the easiest way to grow your business is by retaining customers and, in, and having organic growth of those customers. It's not just the new folks. So big, big questions, but the issue is marketing is missing at the highest level, and it's not a surprise that we see um, so many companies without a, um, a mechanism to build brands, build pipeline, work and close that pipeline, <laughs> and maintain the business that you really need so, now more than ever. So, so let me ask you, James. Uh, now that we know to a great extent what's missing uh, and what has been missing and what's been scaring manufacturers for decades, uh, and you now come along and you've, you've put together your, uh, your story, you've analyzed and determined what's missing, you now go into a manufacturing plant and you, you tell them what they're missing, and, and he says, well, no, we have six six salesmen out on the road and that's our marketing and you you let them know no that's that's not what it's all about anymore so you come in uh and i'm i'm guessing at this you come in and you you show him the new the new way so when you do that and you present to them you go through your 40 questions and you go through uh, telling them your whole story about what you can do. And there's an interesting part about your story that we haven't gotten to yet, and I really don't want to miss, miss the point, that you go into a manufacturing plant and you also get involved with their manufacturing side. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we actually look at how they do what they do um, because this, maybe there's, 
the issue with manufacturing is this. Manufacturers, you know, so I, let's just call it industrial buyers and suppliers, right? Because we're talking industrial business to business. We're not talking end consumer selling an iPhone to an end consumer. But the, the challenge with in, industrial is, is that stakes are high. There is a high level of interdependence on industrial buyers and suppliers. If you can't deliver on, your, on, your, on the service aspect or in the engineering or the uptime aspect and you specify the wrong product, you, you, are a, at a very, you have a very serious issue. That can interrupt your ability to stay operational. You can have downtime at the plant. You may have a recall situation if it's a, you know, if it's a component going into the next Nissan Sentra. So for us, when, when we really look at the fundamental you know, issues related to marketing, and this is more the 4.0 facing side of it, one, we have to, you know, right now look at our role is to really help manufacturers understand it's not this one buyer with his or her buying journey. We are trying to make very serious business cases and, and do institutional buying often, and there's multiple people involved, operations, finance, right? You, you know, the part being $14 versus four means a heck of a lot competitively. <laughs> and, and so that, that decision-making unit is really what we look at from the, how we do what we do as a, as a, you know, as a company or a manufacturer. And so what we are trying to help folks understand is that when they're bringing to bear their business and focus on addressing their growth agenda, they have to understand the customer they have to understand the fact that it's customers, it's a decision-making unit with multiple stakeholders who have different needs at different points of what could be a, not just a linear process, it's looping. Their assumptions change. They try something new. They need something more from you. Maybe you're in the game or not. So what we're trying to help folks understand on the manufacturing side, it's really a question of rigor. It's, you have to apply the same rigor to operational excellence and efficiency and understanding of what the customer needs and all those critical dependencies, just like you have in trying to get something on time, on budget, you know, to the right specifications, you've got to do the same thing in, in the industrial marketing and selling process. And, and to the point, I don't think this is a case of replacing sales with marketing and doing these shiny object things, right, um, and trying the new tactic of the day what we're trying to do is, is really look at marketing the same thing. It's almost like R&D. It's trial and learning. And, and if you're in a position where you can really be agile, you can do things iteratively, which we see now more and more in manufacturing, it's, it's, if you can literally adjust and continuously improve a product as you manufacture it, that's the same thing you really need to do you know, um, in, in, in marketing because you have to be able to keep, decide what to keep and what to kill really fast because you can spend a lot of money, but it all boils down to guys that if you're not measuring it and you don't have a baseline of where you started, and this is the killer. This is probably one of the top reasons why people don't continue with marketing. They don't know where, if you don't measure and you didn't have a baseline of how bad it was and what you weren't measuring and where you started, and you won't know where your internal mid-level marketing team took you. You won't know where the needles are moving. And you know what? It's not instant gratification. It's like, oh, this market stinks. We're dealing with a major pandemic. 
businesses shut down. You know, we have a long velocity it takes to ramp up our pipeline again. Hey, we'll just start all of this and everything gets better. You know, I, I, I think we need to be looking at where do we take our IMTS budget and say, you know what, that was a great week. What if we took that same budget and went 24, 7, 365? What if we zeroed in on our core market to go and go account by account, business by business that meet your ideal profile and went after that account by account, person by person, digitally valued. This is what you need. Here's how you solve your problems. Here are the specifications you need. That, those are some of the things that the current state of the market are, are going to accelerate. And if you, you know, if you keep doing and try, trying to grow your business the way you have for the last 30 years, if you keep doing it the same way, those same things that once helped you be successful can cause you to fail. I think that was a Stephen Covey statement of some sort. I'm kind of poorly I, I, paraphrasing, I, but. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying, and I, I think that uh, there are many companies today in the small to medium-sized companies that are beginning to wake up. Um, however, the solution is not necessarily, okay, I'm going to go out and get myself a marketing company. Um, yeah. That may not just be the answer. The, it's the right marketing company. Uh, you know, is the marketing is the marketing company today the old advertising company? They just switched and called it marketing. Uh, you got to know that you've got the right company, the right that has all the right uh, tools to be able to teach and pass on the the new ways. So when you walk into a uh, manufacturing company. Uh, and let's get past the 40 questions. You ask them your 40 questions, yeah. and you have a pretty good idea at that point, you know, what the issue is and what the problem is. And um, where do you take the customer from there? How do you get him into understanding um, what he needs to do, what the uh, kind of investment that he's going to have to make, the kind of changes that he's going to have to make, and so on. Yeah. One of my I, long I think starts, No, it, it's a great, it's a great question, um, and I may answer this in a way that you won't expect. Um, our job isn't to sell them anything. First of all, uh, if you go in with that mindset, you're you're just you're not going to do very well. Um, so th- here's the thing: it really starts with, again, what are they? The first thing where you start is: are they committed to? really establishing a marketing function in their business. So the answer to the question, did they just go hire a fancy-dancy marketing firm? Um, I think before they even do that, they have to ask themselves the question, are we committed to establishing the rightful place of marketing, an integrated marketing and sales function at the highest corporate level, a key function in many consumer-based businesses most, right? <laughs> These big brands are big brands for a reason or not. Right. So, that, so, so we start with that fundamental thing. And then the next question that really, that really comes from that is the fact, okay, so do we try to build this internally, right? And we just hire and just kind of build it from scratch. We're going to build a function in the business. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge no matter what route you take. But, you know, that's the question where you decide do you partner or do you build? Or do you do a little bit of both? Because I ultimately believe, you know, with, you know, like, 
you know, tens of thousands of marketing agencies of all shapes and sizes, yeah, you can hire someone to design stuff and do the Google and do a lot of things that you hear tactically. Um, but I don't think that's really going to address the true issue of how do you actually establish an uh, effective integrated marketing and sales team. And so if you do, if you're going to do it, I learned the lesson and I, and I, have, I, have, you know, and if there are people there and it all depends on, you know, what's your infrastructure, do you have a really talented mid-level senior director VP of marketing that just needs the resources and needs the commitment and support, then, you know, so, so not everybody's the same. You got to look at what you got, but, but often, you know, I think what they, the folks learn is that other people have figured this crapola out and there's just time effort and the ability to accelerate. If you can really bring on the expertise, especially, you know, you know, like agencies are great because you don't have that overhead, right? You're not paying a dime if it's just, you know, people are sitting around the partner or build and what, what, what combination of it. The, the, the next thing, so, so when you look at the people side of that, you've got to start staffing up and you're going to want to have a liaison at some point. Um, and the leaders are going to have to be involved with the vision, the mission, the positioning, what business do we want to be in? Who's the customer of all the revenue we have? What are actually the best ideal customers that we really want to replicate versus maybe go after everybody, you know, the, the, the best landed cost and profit or uh, profit per part, let's say. So, so that's where you start partner build. Then you, then you ultimately, you know, have to, you know, realize that for us, what we, we tell folks is our job is to help you be a better marketer and sell your industrial products, products and services. You have to have a great function. And if, if you look at it right from a partner's point of view, you're there to act as their guide. Everything from, you know, starting with, okay, let's make some businesses literally, you know, Tim and Lou, they, they, they have to go back to the drawing board. Things have changed so much. So sometimes it's not even starting on positioning and branding. It's starting with going into uh, business model generation. Literally, what's the problem in the market we're solving? What are the customer segments that we, we want to serve based on what we can do or need to start really ramping up to do? And, 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 and what is that value proposition for them? Find sure. that. And then so from there, you, you really then start to look at your brand and your, and your audience. So let me let me ask you this because uh, I'm seeing uh, a slightly different trend to what you do and what either advertising or marketing companies do. You uh, to to kind of sum up the uh, services that you provide is that one you teach them you're teaching the client that marketing is really where it's at and that's where they've been remiss for the last 30 years so you come in there and you teach them about marketing and then you look to bring in the marketing inside create your uh, uh, corporate level uh, uh, marketing individual so that they can do their marketing from inside which I, I would think sort of limits your services to an extent uh, because they wind up growing from within. But is, is that basically what you're what you're attempting to do to help them guide um, them to develop their own marketing strategy from inside? Yeah. That's the spirit. 
that's the belief that the, it's really where's the destination. And, and typically we, we, we talk to folks like, look, this is a three-year journey. And some folks have to do parallel paths. Like, look, we got to build pipeline. We need, we need business. So, so essentially when they go to partner, you know, do they want to add a, you know, a couple million of overhead or the, and, and talent and expertise and technology wielding and creative content strategy, search, social, paid media, everything that goes into the marketing, like automation, you know, CRM, building all the technological plumbing. Well, companies like that need different things depending on where they're at, right? So, so you have to really, you know, you have to really diagnose before you prescribe. So, so often what we're, what we're saying is make the commitment to the marketing function to realize you're going to have to begin to staff around it. Because if they don't have staffing, then you need an agency that can provide their full attention, expertise, and resources to really be that, that solution that becomes your, your marketing team. Um, and, and, and over time, as you build the foundational elements and brand and positioning and marketing and automation, everything that goes into a matured, you know, strategic, data-driven, integrated marketing and sales function, we believe our job is to help them be that better marketer and, 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 and seller, but often we have to do it with them, <laughs> for them, and you know, we, we, we don't want to have to ever do it in spite of folks, right? Because we want to make sure there's that commitment. And, but, the, but the whole spirit is it's going to make sense. Like as you're managing your brand and your, your community engagement, let's say, you know, as you evolve and wow, you've got thousands of people asking you questions on email and social media, you know, that's the mature, that's what happens. It, it happens. You won't believe it, but it happens. But if, if you don't turn the switch on, as those, as those milestones are reached, the natural, the natural progression is to assume more and more of that, of that marketing mix. So that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to say, hey, never build this, um, never build this muscle memory, never build this. Um, um, no, you've got to. And a good partner, if they do their job right, they're going to always have something to do for you. Like things are changing, marketing is changing, technology and data and analytics are changing. But some, of, some folks have so far of a journey, they need that guide that's going to be there to do it with them, outsource. But, but, if, but if the destination is not to have a marketing practice, which by the way, there's businesses that saying, hey, you know, we've got clients who've been with us for decades plus, you know, decades plus who love the fact like just, I trust you, keep doing what you're doing. I like you because you make us money. And yes, that's part of it, but, but, but it's, that's not an excuse for not asking them to do more. And that's what the spirit is. So the right company, to your point, is, is you could be a vendor or you could be a partner. And we want to be a partner. And, and, and your mid-level marketer needs to be a partner. And your head of sales needs to be a partner in the business telling the leader, I love the company, we need to change to address the way people buy, specify, you know, and, and continue to do business with industrial businesses like ours. And if the leader can get behind that, all these different marketing functions and practices will be different. There's not one prescription for all of them, but they have to realize they, they, it's their mindset that has to change. They've got to believe the point that you mentioned about partnering versus having a, a client, uh, I beat you on that one. 
I've been using that term for probably 30 years, and I think you're doing this only 17, so I win. So you don't get <laughs> yes, you don't get jacket points on that. But it's, uh, I agree with you. It's true, you have to become partners with your clients. Uh, if you're not a partner, then you're just a cus- you're just a vendor, and you're just a vendor just like any other vendor. Uh, James, uh, this is uh, extremely uh, interesting. Um, uh, I, I think that some of our listeners may have picked up uh, a couple of different viewpoints, and perhaps uh, you might want to give us your URL and or email so that they can reach out to you uh, and uh, let them have a talk with you and uh, see where uh, where they can go with it. Well, I want to I, I thank you for this opportunity to be on the show, and um, I just want to encourage everyone to keep listening to and supporting this podcast. Um, as far as what we can do to help, um, you know, we hope to be able to, you know, I'm hope, I hope I can help and point you in the right direction. Um, the best way to um, reach us is through industrialstrengthmarketing.com. We're launching a podcast, um, and, you know, we have a YouTube channel. Um, and one of the things we decided to do, because we're having this conversation about readiness a lot, is we decided, even though this is like an internal secret sauce thing, we took the marketing readiness assessment and we actually just made it available to the public, um, and, but with a caveat. Um, and it's at getmarketingready.com. And the caveat is this. Um, if you take this thing and you fail it, which most folks have done, that's 12 speeches, multiple keynotes, and multiple manufacturing associations and leadership summits in 2019, going into 2020, um, I really, it, it, it can create a lot of, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much we should know this stuff. And if a salesperson takes it or a leader takes it and they kind of come after their salesperson or marketer, it's not meant for that because most companies actually we're finding are failing it. And the whole spirit of it is, and the value we hope to provide is that inspires great conversation and saying, wow, right. we need to know it. And, and let's get to one answer at a time. And then folks can decide if they want to partner if they, or if they need some help. But the bottom line is if you can answer a lot of questions related to positioning and why people do business with you and, and what information people are telling you they need in order to do business with you and the, you know, uh, what percentage of our, of our businesses and, and, and our largest customer, how long do they stay with us, what's our customer acquisition cost, things that you have to use to actually do accurate sales goals and marketing goal setting, lots of things are in there. When you get to those answers, you create the framework and you set the groundwork to create an amazing practice. So it's getmarketingready.com, and um, I hope people do well and have healthy conversations and, um, and do it as a team together. It's, it's, it's not a weapon. It's a tool to have those conversations. James, you started off the show with asking a question, which I've been, this has been a very long and very in-depth and uh, educational show uh, today. But I, as we were talking, I came up with a solution from you based on a question you asked me. You asked, how do I get a yellow jacket? And I just came up with the solution during this half hour or so that the more testimonials that we get, the more points you get 
towards the yellow jacket credit. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I got that from you for free. So I, I appreciate that. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, the, uh, the the audience, I, I hope they reach out to you. I think that you've got a lot to offer, and uh, we really appreciate your being on the show. And uh, let us know how you make out. Well, we'll see you out there in the market. I'll look for the bright yellow jacket, and uh, I'll uh, I'll follow it like the sun. <laughs> okay, sounds good to me. Thank you very much, James. Right. Thank you very much. Be well and take care. All right. All right. Talk to you later. And we've been talking with James Soto, who's CEO of Industrial. This is a very interesting B2B marketing agency that you all should get in contact with. So please come to mfgtalkradio.com and look up this show on industrial strength marketing. You can search for James Soto, and it'll pop right up in your search results, and you can listen to the show and get a hold of him. Now, we also have some other shows that we do every week, and to make it easy on our listeners, let me recommend a place for you to start. It's called JacketMediaCo.com. JacketMediaCo.com. That's our parent, our parent company, and it's that website you're going to find, Manufacturing Talk Radio. You'll find the WAM podcast, which is Women and Manufacturing. You'll find Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman, which is a terrific show. We encourage you to jump into that one. Where's Willie, which is a show that's just now developing and getting some very exciting episodes online from William Miller, who's actually traveling around the country talking to manufacturers in the manufacturing class, and full-time with Amy Nicholas. Amy is with Marketing and PR. So it's an easy place to start. Click over to any of the websites. And don't forget, we also publish every month free to the subscribers, Manufacturing Outlook Eating. It's a digital magazine, runs 40 to 50 pages, lots of great information in that. So please come back and visit us often. Lou, anything else you want to throw in before we wrap up? No, I, I think that's it. We had a, this, I thought it was a really a fascinating uh, discussion, and uh, uh, it, it's, it's uh, going to be very helpful for those, the old-fashioned duds that are running their business <laughs> like their grandfather did. And I think that they, especially now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, where uh, everything is changing, and we don't know what is going to change when we come out on the other side, presuming right. that most of us will come out on the other side. Uh, but I think that uh, if you don't change, you will fail. And uh, I, you heard it from me. You heard that from James, uh, James Soto. Uh, and it's true. You don't change, you will die. There's no doubt about it. So for all those who want to dodge that bullet, uh, who are also dodging this miserable pandemic, come to jacketmediaco.com. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>